introduced him, but we'd like to welcome Steve for Kopchak. Steve, if you'd like to come? Yay. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray together today. I just invite you to pray along. Uh, Lord, would you, again, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill this place again. As you touch Steve and Mary today, uh, bless them, anoint them. Uh, Lord, let the words of heaven fill Steve's mind and lips today. Uh, Lord, uh, would you do your work here in us today? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. Uh, it was awesome to be with your youth uh, the other week. Hi, everybody. Uh, okay, the three of you that raised your hands are, I need you to volunteer. Was that a volunteer? Uh, if you, if, if three of you could come out, I'd love, love for you to read some scriptures for me. You can read them off of the screen when they go up, or you could read them out of your handheld or out of your Bible, whatever you want. So I do know some of your names, so I do be great if three of you would vo- just volunteer before it gets embarrassing. <laughs> uh, we, we are so appreciative of the, of the, thank you, there's one, woo, yep. One bold man of God. <laughs> Two bold women of God. Right. We do not. We're gonna, we will have some, some later that I'm going to pick on some more youth, so thanks. So these guys, um, you know, someone was commenting this morning about uh, Newport Church and, and your youth there and how over the years watching that grow to the back is just... Wonderful. I don't know. I think that's, I'm not sure why that side is preserved for the youth there. Reserved, I should say, for the youth. But anyways, most senior leaders that I talk to would give their right arm for that group over there. And uh, probably left arm and all their toes. But um, to have young people who are passionate and desire a relationship with Jesus and desire to bring that relationship to others and to their friends. And, and so... Um, they are very much worth your investment. All right, so be in relationship with these guys. Know who they are. They need adults in their lives who love the Lord, who will not just tell them what to do, but who will encourage them in what they're called to do. The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go, and it doesn't just mean to discipline them or just train them in God's word, but it also means Find out what gifts they have. Find out what call of God is on their life. Find out what is their flavor, uh, what are their passions. Find those things out and help those children get to that point in their life and serve God in that way. So regardless of what it is, and we're going to talk about creativity a bit this morning, the creativity of God. So we have uh, this young man, Genesis 1, 27, and then chapter 2 and verse 7, he's going to read, and then we have... Also, Psalm 139 and verses 14 to 16, and then Colossians 3.10. So if you would read for us, and you can read along with them. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Go ahead. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. All right, very good. Now, Psalm 139, our next volunteer, please. Thanks. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow, powerful scripture. Okay, Jocelyn, last one, Colossians 3. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Being renewed in the knowledge of our creator. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll need three more volunteers a little bit later. Creativity from the creative hand of God. To construct a uh, skyscraper takes a lot of um, engineering, a lot of land development, a lot of permits, I'm sure, a lot of studies of the soil. There's all kinds of things that it takes years before anything's dug into the ground, before you see anything rise above the ground. A skyscraper needs um, a lot of work kind of different than the neighbor who puts up a steel building, uh, you know, a little garage that kind of is not there one day and the next day it's there, <laughs> you know, just didn't take as nearly as much. But that, that skyscraper is so sophisticated and so intentional by design. And I, I don't think we talk about our God enough in the aspect of who he is as far as creativity goes. And, and even, I mean, just to even to attempt to try to describe that, how God has fashioned us in our bodies, how God has fashioned the world, is just incomprehensible to even try to describe. But I'm going to share with you a few things that are just kind of really, really amazing about our bodies and just this miracle of birth. I, you, you know, you started as an egg. That egg was 0.2 millimeters in size. It's about the size of a printed period. That's how you started. But that egg was formed in your mother when your mother was a tiny embryo. That makes you a little older than you thought you were. <laughs> so uh, we just got to witness the miracle of birth. Some of you have been congratulating us on our second grandchild. I have a picture. He is uh, a day old there. Is it? Yeah. Those edible cheeks. <laughs> this is a miracle. Just simply an absolute miracle. And we wanted to show you one of ours. For nine months, a life is miraculously forming through the life of its mother in a watery world. Just the development of the human brain alone is said to be one of the most complex and orderly arrangements of matter anywhere in the universe. That mind sets us apart from the animal kingdom because that mind can discern right from wrong. It, it, and, and no animal's mind can model pride or shame or guilt or even seek redemption like the human mind can do. You are 206 bones strong anchored to, to muscles. Those bones can take up to 20,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Your bones are truly as strong as granite. And through this maze of muscle and bone runs 60,000 miles of tubing. That tubing carries that life-giving blood to every part of your body. Putting all these into action is a nervous system that's protected inside of your spinal cord. 
the, the channeling coordinates through a three-pound brain, sending messages through that spinal cord at 250 mile an hour, faster than any Indy car can go on a track. Our eyes. I did a lot of study of our eyes because of the eye trouble that I've personally had. But our eyes are simply amazing piece of our bodies. Our, they're not only beautiful, but they allow us to see the world around us. Even Charles Darwin struggled to come up with and how to explain the complexity of this organ of the human eye and how this eye evolved from naturalistic process. In The Origin Species, he wrote, to suppose that the eye with all of its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, whatever all that means, could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest sense. And in the book, Does God Believe in Atheists, John Blanchard wrote, the human eye is an amazing phenomenon. Although accounting for only a quarter of a thousandth of the adult's weight, it is the medium which possesses, possesses some 80% of the information received by its owner from the outside world. The tiny retina contains about 130 million rod-shaped cells which detect light intensity and transmit impulses to the visual cortex of the brain by means of some one million nerve fibers while nearly six million cone-shaped cells do the same job but responds specifically to color variation. The eye takes in data and light photons that are sent down the optic nerve to the brain for interpretation. However, the brain can't interpret any of this without its function of memory. I love the function of memory in our brains for it's how we got here. It's how, if you're married, it's how you knew who that person was beside you when you woke up this morning. Good thing. It's how you will know where to go to work tomorrow. It is how you'll be able to do your homework. It's all based on memory. When you come here, it's how you know the names of the persons that you shake the hands of. It's based on memory. If you think of the most important memory function, you just can't interpret, uh, you can't interpret a thing in life without having some connection to it. You have to know what the connection is, and that's where where we talk about in the Christian world, the healing of memories, where we have bad connections to certain memories, and we desire those, the Lord Jesus to enter into those and to bring healing to them. But because the eye is one of the most complicated organs in your body and so susceptible to injury, it receives ongoing maintenance from a built-in cleaning system. The eyelashes and the eyelids provide a very uh, individual service of protection to the eye, and they keep the eye lubricated and free of dirt. Tears cleanse your eyes, move the dirt out, and, the, and your tears actually contain a chemical that, that which provide a euphoric sense so that after you have a cry, after you tear, after you cry about something, this chemical washes you and helps you to feel better about what you were crying about. It's, who tells us this stuff? I mean, God did this. The heart pumps steadily, pushing 10 pints of blood through 1,000 complete circuits, which is like pumping five to 6,000 quarts of blood a day. 60,000 miles of blood vessels I mentioned earlier inside the average human body. That's enough to go around the world, the earth, two and one half times. And for every pound that you 
grow, the body creates even more miles of new blood vessels. Did you know, did you know that human strength has a governor on it? Or you could just do anything. I mean, it's why when adrenaline rushes through your body that people are able to lift cars. Because the strength to do it is there. It's just put into a governor system within your body so that you don't go around lifting cars all the time and hurt your muscles and tendons. <laughs> Quickly, in 30 minutes, the human body gives off enough heat to boil a gallon of water. A full head of human hair is strong enough to support 12 tons of weight. Our bodies create 25 million new cells each second. That's why your house is so dusty. We are bioluminescent. In other words, we glow in the dark. But that light is 1,000 times weaker than our human eyes are able to pick up. We shed 40 pounds of skin in a lifetime, completely replacing our outer skin each month. Along with our five senses, we have many other senses like balance and heat sensation and cold sensation and pain and thirst and hunger. And it's all inside of, a, inside of us is 0.2 milligrams of gold. Often women can see more colors than men. Some women have four or even five receptors while men have three. That's why the women in our lives can identify mauve and peach and... <laughs> we <laughs> Did you know that we breathe more frequently to get rid of carbon dioxide more so than to receive oxygen? that the process of ridding ourselves of carbon dioxide is, 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 is life-giving to us, as is receiving oxygen for our blood. But this is just our bodies. It speaks nothing of the creativity of the God of the universe. Just one example of the God of the universe is that 93 million miles away from us, 109 times the size of our planet, burns a, bright enough, burns a planet bright enough to give us daylight and at just the right distance to neither burn us up or cause us to freeze. It is said that it gives off more energy in one single second than man has produced since creation. The interior temperature of the sun is 20 million degrees Celsius. And the Bible says in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Maybe one more example. We have no sensation of this motion. But yet the planet Earth is spinning at approximately 1,000 miles per hour, traveling through space at approximately 67,000 miles per hour. Before our day is over, we'll have traveled 1.6 million miles of our annual trek around the sun. It's out of control amazing, and we don't even know we're moving. Einstein said this, there are two ways to perceive your life. One is that, that, uh, that nothing is a miracle, and the other is everything is a miracle. Our God is an everlasting creator, created the heavens and the earth, and he made man all from nothing. We're serving a creative God who's made us into his image. And if we serve this God, and he created us in his image, his creative image, how, how could we not be creative as his creation? By being creative, we actually exemplify the God whom we serve. Now I need three more lovely men and or women of God to volunteer. Thank you very much. Here we go. Quickly, one stands up now, is coming, and two is right behind him or her. You want me to point you out? All you got to do is read off the screen. Come quickly. 
Be bold. Okay, we'll just wait. One. Two. Three. Woo! There we go. All right, we want to turn a corner now from the creativity in the universe, the creativity that we see in our bodies, to the creativity in our lives. So Exodus chapter 31, I'd like you to read verses 1 through 5, and then 10 and 11. And I'm having you read these verses because I, I don't know these guys' names, and I figure you can, you can, you can uh, pronounce them. So go ahead. Sorry, microphone. Here we go. Thank you. Then the, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the Told son you. of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Okay. And also the, wo the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. All right. Very good. Thank you. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. All right. And one more. Um, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's work, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you. Give those guys a hand. <laughs> to create has been defined as the desire and the ability to make things. And someone said, make God look great, create. There was a little boy, uh, forgive me if I shared this with you before, but there was a little boy who was uh, part of a Catholic school, and he was in the lunch line. And as he approached the, the array of food, there was a big, beautiful pile of shiny apples. And one of the nuns had put a sign on those apples that said, take only one, God is watching. So he went through the line, got his lunch, and he got to dessert. And there was a big, beautiful pile of chocolate chip cookies and no sign. <laughs> and so he looked at those cookies and he decided to make up or create his own sign, which read, take all the cookies you want, God is watching the apples. If our Heavenly Father created us, then there's no such thing as a person without creativity. Everyone is creative, albeit in so many different ways. You are maybe a gifted musician, artist, mechanic, plumber, writer, preacher, quilter, woodworker, organizer, manager, teacher, counselor, leader, whatever. He desires you to steward the gifts that he's given you. And everyone in your life needs the gifts that you possess. Now, each of us have these creative gifts. Some of us look rather unassuming, but we still have this creative desire within us and have these gifts that reside within us. Uh, Mr. Spang has a creative gift of making kitchen counters look really good, and I know that for a fact because he made our kitchen counters all new. <laughs> I would recommend him. 
Mary and I were uh, speaking in Lexington, Kentucky one time. It was not a, a Dove church. I can't even remember why we were there or what we were doing, actually. Maybe you do, sweetie. But we were picked up at the airport by this man. And he, he, he uh, had this uh, uh, flannel shirt on, and a shirt tail was out, and that was before shirt tails were supposed to be out. And he had these uh, jeans on that were holy, and this, this was long before you paid to have holy jeans. <laughs> and he had pretty dirty hands, and he picked us up in an old um, Renault. Remember those little four-door Renaults? And it was like four different colors. Uh, because he had replaced different body parts on this car. And so we came out with our bags, and he opened up the trunk, and his trunk was loaded with tools. I wasn't even sure where we were going to put our bags. But anyways, he got them in there. And so we, I jump in the front, Mary jumps in the back, and off we go. Now, at first glance, you look at this man, and you think, mechanic, tools, uh, Works on his own car, obviously. You know, I don't know. You know, your head just goes w every which way. And he was very nice. Told us he had the tools because he works on apartments and things. And then told us that he was glad we were there. Oh, we were doing something with couples. He said, we're glad, I'm glad you're here because he said, my wife is mad at me right now. And I said, why is that? He said, because I just rebuilt the transmission of this car on the kitchen table. So later, uh, I think the next day, when we were out to dinner with the pastor, he said, so what were your thoughts of the guy who picked you up? And I thought, that's an interesting question. Now, why would he ask us, what were our thoughts of that guy? You know, this is a test, probably, this question. And I said, well, I found him interesting. His dress, his, his greasy fingernails, and the fact that he rebuilt a transmission. He's obviously a very intelligent man. And then he said to me, that man who picked you up was free to pick you up because he is a multi, multi-millionaire. They say the richest people in the world do not look rich. Well, they don't want to look rich for a reason. So I said, really, tell us the story. How many of you can remember back when you could either get a phone call or be on the Internet? <laughs> remember that? But you could not do both. Remember that? She does. All right. This man, this man invented the tool, the instrument, the hardware, the whatever that enabled you and I to be able to connect to the Internet and the telephone all at the same time. And then he sold that to the right buyer. Obviously, a creative genius, obviously, a guy that could rebuild a transmission and at the same time create something that everybody who had a computer that wanted to use their computer and their telephone at the same time needed. Amazing. How many of you have ever heard of the man by the name of Matt McPherson? Anybody ever heard of Matt McPherson? Anybody ever heard of the McPherson guitar? It's a huge company. It's a guitar that has the hole instead of behind the strings. It's up on the top of the, the guitar. It has the sound hole there. Anyways, he redesigned this guitar. Matt, Matt McPherson made his money with Matthews Incorporated, the number one archery company in the world. 
It's been written that he holds more patents to his name than Imelda Marcos has shoes in her closet. <laughs> a truth made even more impressive by the fact that Matt, an entrepreneur, family man inventor, man of faith, and musician, doesn't have a college degree hanging on his wall. Matt said, one day, I was talking to God in my house. And I clearly heard God say this to me. God said to Matt, I know every answer to every problem in the world. If men would only ask me, I'd give them the answers. Matt heard those words and fell to his knees and he said, God, I feel you're calling me into archery and into business because you know how to make better archery bows. I'm asking you, God, for that wisdom. Direct me in a way that's unique and novel so I can build the best bows in the world and I will totally honor you with my life and my company. Two weeks later, Matt woke up in the middle of the night to a vision of a new bow design. He says, it was literally like a sheet of notebook paper and that's what was so funny about it. It wasn't just a white sheet of paper, but it was a notebook paper hanging in my face. It took me two more years to develop the concept, and then he started McPherson Archery in 1985 with the help of some investors. Later, he sold his controlling interest in 87 and the rest of it in, in 89 because the investors wanted to go in a different direction. But in the fall of 1991, he was driving when he had a vision for a single cam bow, a compound bow with one single cam. In 1992, he started Matthews Incorporated with one employee. The business just exploded as the innovative new design provided the quietest, the most accurate, and the fastest uh, arrow per second uh, bone uh, arrow on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, in the market today. From 1992 to 97, in the span of about five years, Matthews went from the smallest bow company in the world to, an, to a five, uh, um, a 500 company. Today, Matthews Incorporated is the largest archery manufacturing company in the world. They not only sell volumes of bowls, they bows, they sell a product of superior design and, and excellent in craftsmanship. The combination of quality and uh, quantity is a rare blend seen in the business community today, but the commitment of the McPherson family to honor God in all they do has increased the favor of God in all they do. How many of you have ever purchased a buck knife? You got one? How many of you ever read the little paper that's inside that when you buy that knife? There's a little white piece of paper. And that tells the story of the Buck knife. Mr. Buck originally, when he was a child, the old Buck Sr., when he was a child, he began to make knives and he learned how to harden steel and, and he learned how to make these really, really good blades. And then somehow, even as a preteen, he was working on these knives and blades. And then finally, he put his own knife together and uh, long story short, uh, the, uh, the, the war broke out and the soldiers needed knives and he began making knives in his garage to be able to give to the military. He didn't even charge for them, he gave them away. And most of the military people wanted a buck knife because of its strength and its durability and, and so uh, voila, out of it was a company and he was only doing it on the side in the evenings trying to keep up with the demand for the military. And today the buck knife is still very much uh, a product of today. Uh, Post Falls, Idaho, northwestern USA, and inside of that buck knife um, container is a little piece of paper that shares the gospel and where their company came from and, and its humble beginnings and shares the uh, story of the gospel in, from John 3.16. 
the son shared a story of a young woman who had a buck knife, had this container with a buck knife in it, and she was just ready to slit her wrists and kill herself when this piece of paper fell out. And when she read the paper, it talked about how much God loved her. And uh, he says it's his favorite story today. The whole company is worth, obviously, that one life. Um, only man has the ability to imagine and picture something in their mind and manipulate materials to create something. Imagination ignites creativity. We see it every day in our children. The golden org spider, pound for pound, produces a silk that's five times stronger than steel. Spiders may make a web, but the design is from God. The spider didn't think up. I think I'll imagine a strong web, stronger than steel. So since Genesis 3, we also know that there's a dark side to creativity. Uh, my wife was just telling me on the way here about a very, very dark website. So men's minds also imagine evil. And Jesus himself said prior to his coming, the world would be like Noah's world where he flooded the earth, Matthew 24. But some keys to creativity. How do we become creative? Well, first of all, be committed to your God. Know him. He's the one that can give you the designs of creativity. He's your creator. He can give you the creative thing. You just, we need to know him, and we need to know his voice. We need to know how to hear his voice. Now, I can be a crowd of people. I can be with a whole crowd of people, but I'll tell you what. I can recognize my wife's voice because I know that voice. I can pick it out. I want to know his voice in that way. God will bring us opportunities. God will hand us opportunities. Sometimes we're praying about something and we're looking at something. We're asking God for something and he brings us an opportunity and we refuse it. We say no. But I think God brings us these opportunities that we need to say yes to. God, know, know that God knows. So have faith for the creativity of God within you. Ask God for creative design in your work and in your play. Ask him for it. I, I, we, we've never believed ourselves to be writers uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And it was someone else's idea that came to me and said, we need a better premarital material in the Dove family. And, and we went to work on that. And as you know, the called together pre and postmarital book as a result of that. But, but that's been out a long time and we're very grateful for couples who use that. And our goal has been in our lifetime really has been to see the incidence of divorce decrease and see b better foundation for marriages. But for the last 10 years, we've been working on a book. We kind of laughingly called it Staying Together because after you're called together, you want to stay together, right? <laughs> and so we just, that was kind of a joke. But when we did a survey, we've done several surveys for the book and what material do young couples want in a book like that and had titles out there. They hands down picked this title, Staying Together. And so it, as a millennial generation thinks about marriage, they're thinking about we, we want to change the statistics of divorce. We want to change. We want to stay together. So out of 10 years of writing and rewriting, and I can remember several times taking my computer and just deleting everything, taking pages and pages. I had a file like this thick of stuff that I had written and we were trying to put together in, in a marriage book that would follow. And so many people were asking us, what follows called together? What, what can we have that follows? And we were working on it and I just kept throwing it away and I finally just threw the whole file out and just said, God, 
help us to do something that, that's not necessarily out there, something that's different, something that's interactive, something that couples can read content and then ask themselves the questions. And finally, this book is the result of that, Staying Together, Marriage, a Lifelong Affair. And we brought some of those. There's only 12 back there, but we brought some for you. And the publisher generously agreed to have Dove pre-release this book for our International Leadership Conference, which we're so grateful for. But that kind of creativity, I can't stand here and say it was out of my intelligence, my intellect, you know, or my wife's. I can't say it's just, just you know, it, we really feel like it's something that God gave us and we had to put it on paper. We have to have it out there. We need to teach on it because we want marriages to stay together and I know that God does too. So don't settle for being good enough to create. You know, the colored paper clip made money while the original silver paper clip, you know, the color one made far more money. You know, I was talking to our secretary um, at the Dove office the other day, and she, I said, do you have any note paper? And, and uh, she said, well, we have these post-it notes. And I said, well, do you have any scrap paper? And she goes, well, that, that is, that's, that's what this is. And I said, well, and back in my day, that wasn't scrap paper. We used to take paper that had writing on one side, cut it up, and that would be our scrap paper. Remember that beside your landline phone? And uh, there was always a pen there. Someone got the idea to put some glue on the back of it, and now all we know are post-it notes. But that was scrap paper at one time. I have a friend who, um, who, who is a mechanic and owns a car store. And I said to him one day, what, what are you doing today as a mechanic and as a, a car, having a car store, what are you doing that's different from what everybody else is doing? Because that's a question I often ask, because I believe that God can give us something that's different than what everybody else is doing. And he said, did you know that you asked me that question? I said, no, what, what are you doing? He goes, I am rebuilding Toyota and Honda uh, batteries for hybrid cars. I said, you are? Like, you're doing that. He goes, yeah, I'm doing that. I go, seriously? Like, people go to the dealer and pay thousands of dollars for that, but you're taking them and rebuilding them? And he goes, yeah, stop by the shop someday. So I did. And there's a whole wall, like almost the length of that back wall there, of Toyota and Honda batteries, rebuilt, old and rebuilt ones. And I said, how did you do this? He goes, well, I just read everything I could on it and just figured God could give me the ability to be able to rebuild these batteries. And he said, it has taken over my business. He said, people call me. He said, I was just in Ohio because the guy called me and said, would I come out and replace this battery? He had heard about me from somebody. He said, I drove out there, replaced his battery, and drove home. He paid me for every mile. He paid me for the battery, and he paid me for my time. And he said it was one half of what it was going to cost him to buy a new one and have it installed by his factory technicians. Focus on inviting God into your gift mix and your interest. First Kings chapter 4. Did I give you that scripture? Did I give you that one? I did? Oh. So God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Good grief. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, height, and wiser than uh, Haman and, and all these dudes, the son of, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke three 
thousand proverbs and his songs numbered a thousand and five. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish from all nations. People came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Where did it come from? God downloaded to him these biological facts, these songs, these words. Amazing. Daniel. You, just, you can't read the book of Daniel without realizing the, the creativity of God. He puts this guy in the midst of a, of, a, of, a, of a place that's not godly, it's not his nation, it's not his culture, and yet he's smarter than anybody. And he's changing the nation because of what God is downloading to him and his unwillingness to compromise. How many of you have ever heard the story of potato chips? Hotel chef George Crumb, seems like an appropriate name, <laughs> enjoyed a wonderful knack for cooking. From his kitchen at Moon's Lake House near Saratoga Springs, New York, Mr. Crumb could take anything edible and transform it into a dish fit for a king. That skill came in handy. The upscale lake house attracted customers who were used to being treated like kings. And in 1853, a cranky guest complained about Crumb's fried potatoes. They were too thick, they were too soggy, and they were bland. The patron demanded a new batch of potatoes. Crumb did not take this criticism well, so he decided to play a trick on the diner. The chef sliced a potato as thin as a piece of paper, fried it until a fork could shatter the thing, and then purposefully oversalted his creation. <laughs> the persnickety guest will hate this, he thought, but the plan backfired and the guy loved him and ordered a second serving. <laughs> Word of this new snack spread quickly. Saratoga chips, they were called, became a hit across New England and Crum went on to spend to open his own restaurant today. That accidental invention has ballooned into a massive snack industry. Highly intellectual Scientists have devoted years into studying the origins of man and his creative thinking capacity, and yet all of their searching for something is really, really in vain. It doesn't exist in this world. The knowledge of origins is only revealed by the originator, capital O. The truth about man and why he's on the earth, it's already been told. That cause, the, 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 that gift is not found in evolutionary theory, but rather in the inspiring record already written about us and the creation in the word of God. And finally, in all of this creativity, the one thing that God is really after is the heart. The one thing that God really wants is your heart. I think he'll provide all this other, all this creativity, all these things you're studying in school, you know, he's going to use it. He can use all of that. But he wants your heart. We're part of his creation with the capacity to sense him and know him. And he's placed within our heart a desire to know the creator of the universe, the originator. Our hearts reflect our integrity. Our hearts reflect who we really are. God created that heart. God created that spirit of man to know him, to be in relationship with his spirit. And it was his son who came and gave his life. That one who died on the cross to redeem us from our sin. 
One of the astronauts said that a greater miracle than walking on the moon was God walking on the earth through his son, Jesus. I like that. Our hearts can be reconciled to our creator. And when that happens, the Bible says we're born again. And our lives are given a second chance to fulfill the creator's design. So many of us are wandering around the world. What, why are we here? What can we do? What, what's my life? So many teenagers are cutting and doing drugs and doing things to harm themselves because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But that very life God created, regardless of how they came into existence, God wanted that life to be here and was designed for a purpose. Do you know, has your heart been given to that creator so he can creatively creatively function and work through you. And I'm not saying there, there aren't creative gifts in non-Christians, for there are. There are many non-Christians that find cures for diseases and, and things like that. Their heart is geared towards that. They feel called to that. They've studied that. They want to bring a, a change in the earth. But imagine if that person knew the God who could further download the answers to that they needed in medical science or, or wherever, whether it's my friend with batteries or the Matthews bow. It's a relationship with Jesus that gets it started, that affirms your gifts, that says your worth and your value and why you're here on this earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for you, that you are our creator, that you're just simply amazing, that in the little bit that we shared this morning doesn't give hardly a brief a touch of who you are as creator of, 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 and, and the things of life and earth. And God, it's just amazing. But more than that, who we are, why we exist, why we breathe, why we're here, what we've come to do and, and, and accomplish for you and for your kingdom. I pray, Father, for that one that's here today that may not know you, that's not born again, I pray, Jesus, today they find their creator and they find their creative sweet spots, Lord, in their lives. I think also, uh, guys, th um, just sensing there's people here that you, you've been handed opportunities and you don't know they're an opportunity. You just think it's a crazy thought. But God is saying to you, that was an opportunity I handed. When you saw that, when you heard that, I handed you an opportunity and later down the road, someone else did it because we thought it was just a stupid thought. But it, but it was probably from God. Father, we, we release not just salvation here this morning for us, but we release the creative hand of God in our lives to hear what you're saying to us, to hear what you're showing us, God, in our workplace, in our, in our home place, God, in our neighborhood place, Father, in our garages, in our garages, in our garages where Dell computers came from, in our garages where Hobby Lobby started in the garage of, the, of David Green making picture frames, in our garages, God, in our basements, Father, that may creativity flow, Lord, in Newport Church. As we've watched even this building evolve, we've watched this stage evolve with creativity. Just looking at it this morning, the creativity that's on this stage, God, is, I, I couldn't think of this, but someone, someone's, you gave them those designs and they did it. 
God, looking at the young people with musical gifts, I cannot play that saxophone, but that young man played it to your delight because you gave him that gift. Thank you, Father. Just keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Young people, I just I want to share with you, you... I know you don't all know your future, and I know you don't all know what to study or what technical school to go to or what business to go into or even what, what job to do part-time, but, but know this, that every piece of it is like a puzzle from heaven. Every piece of it is from God. He's, he's handing it to you to learn something in that place, and, and, and one day you'll be done with it. One day you'll graduate from school. One day you'll be beyond it, but, but it'll be a piece that will fit somehow collectively to the creativity that God's bringing you and who you are and what he planted in you, the seeds that are within you. Think in that direction. Do not think you have nothing to offer. You're of no one, you're, you're of no worth and value. You have every bit of value on this earth because God placed you here. Regardless of your family situation, regardless of anything, you're here because God placed you here and you are a creative design of his who's here to create a creatively design. For every millennial, every young person here, every middle-aged person, every old person, we're never done. We're never done. God will continue to hand us things, and maybe some season is closing now, but there's a new season coming. May we receive it in the name of Jesus. May we find it. May we see it even when, it, when we think it's a mistake, but it's something you're handing us. Maybe it, maybe it won't be that we wake up in the middle of the night with a piece of notebook paper in our face, but it'll somehow show up. It'll be there. God, help us to see it. Help us to know your voice, see it, and obey it in Jesus' name. And even when it takes two years to get that design down on paper to create it, we will, with tenacity, walk it through because we believe it's from you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for that's who you are. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you our lives and ask God that we would be creative in the way that you created us. We would do that which you've called us to do in the short span that we're called to be on this earth. In Jesus' name. And may we call out that creativity in our children and our children's children. May we just see it. Call it forth. The whole world is telling them they can't. We need to tell them, yes, they can. God will give it to them and show them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen willing to pray with you here, uh, you know, for something that God's showing you. Um.